Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 231 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Adnan Ikic, at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are we doing tonight? Uh, doing well. Uh, it was a very nice springtime day in Atlanta today. It hit 80 degrees. Uh, you know, beautiful, beautiful to go outside for a walk. It was uh, no rain, very sunny. We've been getting some rain the past few days, so... You know, nothing nothing reminds me of, you know, springtime more than March Madness and NFL free agency. So we'll be talking about the latter of the two tonight. So it was a, it was just a beautiful day and, you know, can't wait to get into it. Absolutely. Also joining us to get into free agency tonight is Alan Sturk at Alan Sturk on Twitter. Very easy to remember. Alan, how we doing? Very well. I'm surprised I'm not very joyful this morning considering, you know, the state of Atlanta basketball. Uh, don't have a head coach at the moment, but I hey, guess it's yeah, a long time coming. I, I, I'm not allowed to comment what I really think uh, about, um, you know, the head coaching, but let's say that I'm not I'm not dissatisfied by the move. Let's say that yesterday I was, uh, I was very, very upbeat is all I'll say. Okay. Yes. Yes. You know, won't comment, but you know, encouraged for the future, perhaps, depending on what happens. So uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. You know, we don't want to get on, on any trouble here. We'll save the trouble for the free agency takes, which are going to come in, guys. Today, we're going to be focusing on the secondary, cornerback safety, uh, which has become much more of a hot-button topic uh, over the last couple of days after top safety prospect Jesse Bates was seen dining with the, the who's who of the Falcons secondary and also Kyle Pitts. So... Uh, you know, plenty of speculation there. Uh, definitely fun to see that. You know, does it matter or not? Who knows? But it was it was interesting to see that. Uh, definitely hope those guys were, were doing their doing their best Cordero Patterson impression, trying to recruit him yeah, to Atlanta. Nothing's so. going on. Like you know that that's a harmless news story. It's fun. You know, like yeah. yeah give me more of stuff like that. I, I know some people are like, oh, why are you writing about this? Who cares? But I mean, like, what what else are we gonna like talk about? Like, free agency hasn't started yet. The Super Bowl was weeks ago. Like, come on, it, it, it's fun. And, and I mean, hey, all of those guys share the same agent. But I think it is telling that the only three, the only players at that dinner were Bates and the only three Falcons who were represented by that agent. Nobody else. So you know, m- maybe there's some smoke there. Maybe there's some fire. Who knows? You know, uh, I'm not, and I read that yeah, piece, and I just felt enthusiasm with every word as I was reading your piece on the story because I was not aware of it, and I was just like, "Wait, what happened?" I'm like, "Oh my god, this." Yeah, like, this that's a great teaser. Really. That's a great teaser. You know, if if uh, if anyone else would like to read that piece, uh, thefalcoholic.com. Uh, you know, your one stop shop. So you know, yeah. check that out, and 
Yeah, well, we're just pros. We're just pros at segueing right now. I love that. That was that was so smooth. It it felt it felt real, and I it was real. There's there's no fake, you know, anything on here, guys. We're 100 real all the time here on the Falcoholic Live. Speaking of, uh, what's up, Corey? Doctor Ganja, love that name, by the way. Uh, and Paul Paul Mac, uh, what's up, guys? Welcome welcome in for tonight. Uh, and yeah, uh, on that note, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe, all that good stuff. If you're listening to the podcast audio after we record, leave that five-star review. Uh, still waiting uh, to hear about where the podcast is going to go in terms of hosting. Not that that matters to any of you guys, but uh, once I have a firm grasp of that, I'll be able to tell you exactly what we're going to call the new pod. But it should be the same exact feed. You shouldn't lose access to anything. Um, so hopefully it'll be a very minimal transition. But uh, I promised you guys an update uh, and that's that's the first update there. The second update for our patrons, patreon.com slash live, by the way, uh, is that we're going to have our next Q&A session Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern. So for patrons, make sure to write that down. I'll be posting on the Patreon uh, tonight to, to remind folks about that. Uh, so get your, your Patreon questions for that Q&A session ready. And if you're not a patron yet, you got uh, like almost a week to get to get set up if you want to take part in that event. So uh that that's all we you know that that's all that's all the plugging i'll do before we jump into the takes um so we do uh have a falcons defense here in significant need of talent everywhere uh we'll start with the cornerback position which i don't think is as dire uh as many on the defense in fact i'd say it's probably the closest as currently constructed to being decent to good um and they do have a lot of guys currently under contract. Obviously, A.J. Terrell is a very good starter. Um, you know, late in the season, was playing like his 2021 season, looking like an elite cornerback one. Um, and I think I think we can probably depend on him to play at or near that level. Uh, so that's great. We didn't get to see a lot of Casey Hayward, which is unfortunate. Um, he was playing pretty solid before he got hurt, uh, but he will be... I believe 34 this year and the Falcons would save uh, 5 million by cutting him. So it seems like that may happen. Who knows? Uh, and then behind those guys, they had Darren Hall who did fill in pretty admirably when asked. Um, they, I believe they can re-sign uh, D Alford as an exclusive rights free agent, which basically means he comes back at the vet minimum. So it seems likely that they'll do that. And then they have a, a number of sort of like futures contract guys in the mix as well. Um, so certainly room for improvement for for adding more players to that rotation they do have several free agents at the position as well uh most notably isaiah oliver um and i think you know some special teams guys like michael ford rashad fenton that trade didn't really pan out um so you know that they do have some some significant needs at corner to fill out the rest of the depth chart uh and this is an interesting free agent class as well um i know Alan, you you have a list of guys that you might be interested in. Uh, Adnan, I know you might have some guys as well. So I'm not going to steal all the thunder. I'll let you guys go first, and I'll just sort of fill in the gaps uh, if there are any in our coverage. But Alan, as the special guest this evening, I'll, I'll give you the the first shot. Who are are who's a name or two guys that you're interested in the Falcons pursuing in this free agent class? The players I'm interested in, I don't think are going to fit Ryan Nielsen's schematic vision because I'm going based off what we saw in New Orleans and I just know New Orleans primarily had a lot of big body corners that like to get physical mm -hmm. at the line of scrimmage you know jam them up play man 
Like I love Byron Murphy in Arizona. I think he was like one of their four good defensive players, but he's pretty undersized. I love Jonathan Jones at uh, Patriots. I think he's been a solid contributor there. But both are about five nine, five ten, and I just I don't know if they're necessarily going to fit Ryan Nielsen's scheme. Now, Grant, look, Ryan Nielsen's only had one year as defensive coordinator, so uh, I don't want to put too much of the, like I don't want to just make these assumptions that he just wants strictly big corners. But I am just wondering, you know, are they going to go there? Because I think the Falcons already have some smaller corners on the roster. Like to me, I think they will kind of want to get you know six one, six two, get with some more of those rangy corners. So. Yeah, that kind of leaves the options limited because obviously no to Patrick Peterson. I think Jamel Dean is out of the price range. So uh, I don't know. I'm not really feeling this class as a whole, but if they want to take a risk on two guys I like, though, I'd say Byron Murphy, even though he's more effective in the slot, would be great. And then Jonathan Jones, I think he's been one of the more underappreciated coins in the league over the past three years or so. I, I would be surprised if, he, he, if Belichick doesn't re-sign him. Rex, I feel like wasn't he on like the Texans or something, and it just like it didn't seem like he was getting. I can't remember where Jonathan Jones was before New England last, but yeah, that's like a good question because he's been in the league for a while. Like he's twenty nine, which maybe yeah, I know. Been, no, he's been with the Patriots, I guess, his entire career. Uh, but I think oh, it's okay. maybe only been recently that he has taken on like a large role over the last few seasons. Yeah. Um, they moved him from slot to outside corner, and he just had a career year. Like That's 11 right. pounds, pickups, four picks, three force fumbles. And I mean, he does have the versatility to play some slot corner as well, which gives him some, you know, some added value. But yeah, it's um, yeah, the height and weight really is, isn't there as much. But, you know, he was super productive last year. And it was a hell of a year to be super productive because you know, he'll cash out on that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, those are all good names, and we'll definitely, I think, come back and talk about some of those guys more in depth. But, Adnan, did you have any names you wanted to throw into the mix there as well? I mean, uh, if we're just going to do our due diligence on the biggest names, um, the biggest name in this free agent class, which whom I do not think the Falcons will be pursuing, is Jonathan Bradbury from uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles, I think. Uh, I don't think the Falcons are looking to invest – uh, a super large sum of money into the cornerback position this offseason. I think this is a position where in the future, the team will need to address the cornerback two position, but just the presence of Casey Hayward, I think he's that perfect bridge guy for not just last year, but for this year as well. Uh, it's one of those situations where you can keep hold on to Hayward and then maybe spend some of those resources that you have next offseason to fill in, uh, the gaps at cornerback uh, while this offseason you fill in the gaps in at safety and in the trenches, which is, I think, with what's more of a pressing need for this team than cornerback. So I think that they'll hold on to Hayward. Uh, I'd like to see them hold on to Hayward. Uh, but, you know, you have Bradbury, uh, you, have, you have Cam Sutton, who has been super consistent and super good in Pittsburgh. Um Jamel Dean was mentioned. I think that these are the big three, uh, so to speak, uh, in this free agent class. I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons aren't really linked with any of them. Um, at the end of the day, I wouldn't mind someone like a Jonathan Jones just because of the versatility, depending on the price range. But I think the Falcons will be a bit more quiet when it comes to this position specifically. Uh, key payword, I'd like to see them re-sign Oliver. I think Isaiah Oliver was really... 
showing some stuff before his injury, and then I don't think it's super fair to completely judge him based off last year coming off of the injury. So, um, you know, he's someone that you have some continuity with. Uh, other names are guys like Rocky Yassin, who was linked to the Falcons um, in in the draft process in the second round a few years ago. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons ran it back, so to speak, with, with the big names and then maybe take uh, some cornerback depth uh, maybe on day three of the draft. Yeah, I'm curious what they end up doing because I think we know that they do need somebody else. And if they keep Hayward, then it's it's more or less settled. And that's what I sort of said in my cap space article was that, look, if they if they need the space, Hayward's probably the guy other than, of course, you know, Marcus Mariota, uh, who's sort of the obvious one. Like Hayward is the, the, the only other player that really clears any significant space. But it's like, do they really need it? Like, I know right now everyone's like, salivating over the prospect of adding all these players and we're going to have all these guys lined up and oh are we going to be able to who are we going to sign but like free agency really works that way like you have to fight tooth and nail to get these guys to sign with you particularly when you're not a playoff team and I don't think the Falcons are like awful like they're going to have to like bend over backwards to get free agents here but this is not you know the Chiefs this is not the Eagles this is not a premier destination right now maybe it will be in the future but you're not necessarily going to be able to get all the guys you want. And honestly, like the giant or not, the uh, is it the Giants? Who is who has the most cap space? The Bears. Like the Bears, Bears have like a yeah. hundred million in space. They're not going to be able to spend it. They they're not going to be able to spend that money. Um, I know everyone's like, oh, it'd be great to have all this money. You can't. They won't be able to spend it. Um, and this happened to the Jaguars for years and years. Like they literally couldn't get enough top free agents there to spend down all that cash. Um, and that's not so the worst thing in the world. Prices out there, yeah. Like right. they started super overpaying guys. Yeah, exactly because they could. Yeah, like twenty or what eighteen million a year for Christian Kirk. Ooh, Kirk was really good yeah. last year. To be fair, he he actually earned that contract for sure. Uh, so I don't want to slander the man too much, but yeah, at the time it looked like a super overpay. Um, so it's like the Falcons have plenty of money to get all the guys they want. Um, at the same time, you know they're probably going to take a measured approach and not try to necessarily maximize every dollar. So we'll see. But I do tend to agree with you guys that like this, this is a spot where they're probably not going to spend premium cash. And I wouldn't be upset with them just holding on to Hayward as like, and, and Hayward also offers inside versatility too. Right. So as the veteran in the room, as the guy that can play on the inside or the outside, um, I don't hate it. And I think he was playing fine before he got hurt. Uh, but you know, it, and Darren Hall was also okay. Um, they do need more there, but it's not the biggest need, certainly. But, I mean, in this class, you guys mentioned a lot of the best names, right? Like James Bradbury, if they're going to go splurge on someone, it would be Bradbury. Um, you know, Bradbury has good size. He's going to be just turning 30 in uh, 2023. So he's definitely got some good years left. Um, but he's probably going to be like a $15 million a year corner, like at least. So that's going to be extremely expensive you mentioned cam sutton again gonna be a really expensive signing and then jonathan jones i just have a hard time seeing him leave new england um and there's just there's a lot of sort of mid-level guys right um so like i think uh guys like you know sean murphy bunting had a better year with the bucks this year as more of like a depth player um, Isaiah Oliver coming back makes a lot of sense. Um, I know Emmanuel Mosley for the 49ers was playing great before he got hurt. Um, Ooh, that, would, so, that would be interesting. 
I yeah. forgot about him. Yeah, yeah. you know, it was I, only I, about seven games, but he was playing well. Very he was awesome. Yeah, so it's like I do wonder if like he just comes back to the 49ers on like a one year deal to try to rehab his value, or if somebody could lure him away. But uh, you know, so there's some guys out there, but this isn't. It's not the most like star-studded class, and and you know I know there's guys like Greedy Williams, but it's like what do you really you know so as kind of like a buy low guy that maybe you could you could find something out of. But for me, I wouldn't be surprised if it if it goes down kind of like what you were suggesting, Adnan, that it's like maybe you just keep Hayward, you bring back Isaiah Oliver and Mike Ford, and then maybe maybe you end up adding like a mid-tier guy to sort of fill out the depth chart. Maybe you draft someone in the first couple rounds to sort of fill it out. And you're not, and you're probably fine with that. Um, it's not sexy. I, it's not it's what the not. people want here, but it's like, you know, it wouldn't be, it would be frugal. And I don't think it would be the worst move to, you know, throw, throw your resources to other positions for this season. And then in the future, you address cornerback a bit more heavily. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see uh, how that ends up actually panning out you know i do wonder if this is a spot where the draft is a bigger focus um you know and we'll we'll continue to talk about that after the combine as we shift these shows to more of like a draft focus um but it's you know there's certainly some names like you mentioned rocky Yassine too who i think is definitely a guy that i don't think is going to break the bank but has improved sort of every year um and is is intriguing um maybe they go after byron murphy to be more of like a, you know, Murphy has played some on the outside too, but I think he's, his best ball has generally been in the slot. So it's like, maybe you just sign him to have an elite slot corner. That's, I think an underrated uh, part of it, of defenses. Right. Um, But we'll see. Um, And then Jamel Dean, you know, is another name that you guys mentioned and Marcus Peters is out there, but like some of these guys are going to get re-signed by their teams too. Um, I was waiting for someone to mention Marcus Peters. It's yeah. it's not happening in Atlanta, but I yeah. do find it fun that he's a free agent. I don't know where he could go, but yeah, yeah that's look, I, I think Peter is derailed by injuries. Yeah. yeah, entertainment purposes, love Marcus Peters. Being on a, like, if I was a coach and he was on my team, he would make me want to pull my hair out. Yeah, yeah, and like speaking of slot guys, like Bryce Callahan from the Chargers, uh, one of the best slot corners in the league. You know. He could potentially be someone. Stuff. Yeah, he is. He is. But yeah. you know, uh, so not all these guys are going to break the bank. And like, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it could be interesting. But I do wonder. You know, at first, like I thought this was a position where they really might run it back when if they had DNPs. But like with DNPs gone, I just I don't know if Ryan Nielsen is going to want the same type of guys or not. So that's what kind of gives me pause with predicting this group. His interviews are very vague. Like I, I. I <laughs> appreciate the passion but it was hard to dissect what he is really going to run so i'm just basing it off his new orleans defenses but i do wonder if their free agency activity at the position is going to hinge on isaiah oliver like isaiah oliver goes elsewhere you see them picking more of a proactive approach to get a, a slot corner because look, we all know how valuable slot corners are in today's modern game yeah and it's like i think we all like d d alford too and i was surprised he didn't get more opportunities um but again, small corner. Um, and I don't think his size really showed up and, and impacted his play as much as I thought it would, particularly as like a run defender. But maybe that was just because everybody else on the Falcons defense sucked at tackling. So like D. Alford just being like fine at tackling was just actually just fine uh, in general. But um, 
it was it was a weird year for that secondary to be to be sure. Um, but yeah, I I tend to agree with you guys that this is probably not where we see a big splash signing, but we could see several smaller ones. Um, and it could be that they bring the guys back, or that it could be that they go in a completely different direction because this is a new defensive coordinator coming in, and he might prefer his guys but and, you know the other side is like jerry gray also right like he's a, like a completely new secondary coach too so it's not just nielsen it's also jerry gray so it could be completely different <laughs> what they want um i mean i tend to prefer the scheme that you know dennis allen runs with the saints as opposed to the more you know zone heavy scheme favored by dean Pease. so like i'm excited to potentially see, see some more man coverage and things like that but um they might need different personnel to run that. Um, I tend to think AJ Terrell is actually a pretty good man coverage core, so I'm not upset about that at all. But, you know, um, it's a, it's going to be a transition for the secondary this year, no matter what, to, to playing this new defense. And um, I wonder, I just wonder how it goes. It's exciting. It's one of the more interesting groups, I think, to monitor, even if it's not going to have, like, a giant free Asian addition. Um, but on the topic of this group, just because we're here, we're not going to linger on the draft too much because we got to save some of that sweet, sweet draft content for the, the March period. But, you know, cornerback at eight has started to get a little bit more trendy. You know, I did it for my last mock. Um, Alan, I'll you know sort of kick this to you first. Like, what do you think about that option, considering that by the time the Falcons get on the clock at eight, they could see two, maybe three edge guys go and maybe the top corner is still there? Oof. I think it all depends on free agency because that is... Uh... Look, we, I'm, I'm all for finding the best talent. Like, obviously, you want to, you got to gauge like positional need in talent. Like, you're just not going to draft the position because you need it. The last thing you want to do is reach. But say times like, oh, I don't know, eighth <laughs> overall pick for a quarter. That's that's a bit uh, bold. But you know, depending on what caliber of talents there, you know, I, I I could see you making the case for it. But at the same time, you know, let's see, like uh, Oliver and Hayward. Those are like the two players that we really have to monitor to see what happens because. I think that's going to change the trajectory of you know, how the coaching staff views the position. Yeah, and no, that that's a good point. Adnan, did you have a take on a cornerback at eight as well? I'm not there yet. Like, yeah, I think if the edge guys are more so taken uh, in the top seven, I would lean more so toward an offensive lineman at that point. I just, uh, I would just prioritize the trenches right now. I think that needs. Uh, a bit more attention, even though the team was really, you know, strong. Uh, the offensive line unit collectively last season was very strong uh, by the stats and by the PFF grades. A lot of that was helped by the fact that the team ran the ball more than any other team in the league. And run blocking is uh, more of a strength to some of these offensive linemen that are on the roster today, but they're not really quite there yet with with pass blocking, not all of them. So I would definitely lean toward toward an O-line in that, in that case. Yeah. See, people get excited about two potential all-pro corners. Man, I'm not with you. Give me two potential all-pro guards, just multiple. Hey, hey <laughs> I, yes. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, like, you know, maybe we maybe we don't need a splurge on that, on that new Rolex watch. You know, maybe we should just pay off the light bill instead. Maybe. I mean, you're talking to Team Creed Humphrey and Team Elijah Vera Tucker at eight last year, okay? So Ooh. you don't have to convince me of, no, of you know, the big nasties in the middle. Pill. So 
Yeah. So we could have had Kareem Humphrey in the second a couple of years I know. ago. That's, yeah. You know, we have it on good authority that we weren't the only ones that wanted that to happen. So yeah. <laughs> it, it, It's not the most exciting. It's never super exciting when, when I talk up the offensive linemen, but God, football is still one in the trenches. Like, uh, I'm still I'm still super excited to see the the big men just just beast up yeah. front. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's that's the cornerback room. I agree. And then like you know, Cornell Armstrong is another guy too. That's a free agent. Cool. Uh, you yeah. know, you, you, you can go. I you know you clearly, and that's that's another guy that I think like if if the current staff was here, I'd just like pencil him in as coming back, right? But like with the new staff. Probably not, and you know that's probably wise, also. But uh, watch hey. film, Ryan Nielsen. Just please watch the film. <laughs> particularly, particularly the whole game, game with Yeah, watch yeah. that. Watch that Bengals game. It's all you Oof. need to see. That's literally that's probably the toughest matchup he could possibly draw, also. But you know, but even the Chargers game, like Kevin, yeah. I remember we did a podcast like oh, Josh yeah. Perkins. Wait, was his name Josh Perkins? Uh, Oh, the I know who you're talking about. Because they had, like, yeah. no healthy receiver. Yeah, they had, like, no yeah. healthy receivers. Yeah. But is that his name? Oh, Joshua Palmer. There we go. Yeah, Josh oh, Palmer man. ate him for lunch. <laughs> yeah. Like, Joshua Palmer is taking to him. Josh Palmer is, like, the most median average receiver. Like, when you, when you think of a range of receiver, like, Josh Palmer is just, like, standard. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and he's like, the average him. guy. Yeah, he, he cooked him. Yeah. Cornell Armstrong, Cooper, to his credit... Perfect. From like UDFA to starting, he was not as bad as I thought he could have been. But that's that's about the most ringing endorsement that I could give of Cornell Armstrong. Um, but again, UDFA forced into QB uh, CB two. You know, yeah, it's tough. He didn't he didn't embarrass himself every game. There were a few games in there. I want to give the man his credit. There were a few games in there that he held the fort down at a decent level. But the rest of the games, you, you bury the tape for those ones. So. Um, so, Cornell Armstrong, best of luck to you, brother. Um, so, we got a couple tips I want to get to here before I, I get them lost. First one's for Alan from Jason Gaines. He said, uh, Alan, did you help your, your former classmate, Dean Marlowe, pack his bags uh, to get to Buffalo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I did not. Uh, fun fact about Dean Marlowe, I covered the Jets uh, Falcons game in preseason, and you know, the good man, Matt Haley, we were trying to sub the interview, and like Dean Marlowe was one of the first people on the team playing back. So I did not get the interview. So I don't think, uh, even though we were in class there, I do not think we were. The strings didn't get pulled, huh? Yeah. No. And Matt wanted to make it happen too. Cause I told him like we had, I, my sophomore year high school, we had Spanish class together. We would talk about, this is back in like, Oh, nine, 10. And talk about Favre and Sydney Rice. Sorry about bringing up Brett Favre. Not good name. (laughs) Um, I'm just, I'm just thinking like back in Oh, nine, 2010, like, Hey man, we're talking, we're talking about football. And like, I was like, wow, it'd be crazy to reunite with him. And, uh, yeah, it did not happen. So no, I did not help him. But uh credit to him. Yeah. He had a nice interception in that playoff game. I know that ended badly against the Bengals, but he still happened. Yeah. He got he got that one splash play. So uh <laughs> he, was, he was solid for Buffalo after the trade, but you know. He clearly like fit that defense. Like they knew exactly how to use him, it seemed like. So he was I mean, going to the Bills defense too. Their front seven's yeah. a lot better than yeah. Atlanta's. But God, that 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 blown coverage against oh DJ. My God. Yeah. Got no words. No words. No words. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll gloss over the rest of that. But uh, best of luck to Dean. Uh, at least he got to go to the playoffs. And we got a seventh out of it, you know, so it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, a seventh for a guy that wasn't even really playing much for us. So um, Jason Gaines, again, 
uh, with the $2. Thank you again, Jason. He says, uh, PFF has the best mock draft simulator. It's very realistic. Well, if you agree with PFF's ratings, then it's definitely realistic. If you don't, it's not realistic. But I agree that theirs is probably the nicest looking that's available right now, um, to be fair. Uh, he says, each mock is different. You can draft all seven rounds. Yes, I mean, to be fair, like, PFS Mock Draft Simulator is absolutely fine. Um, I don't, like, hate it. Uh, but I'm spoiled because I have, like, early access to the Draft Network's machine, which is just, I feel like, far superior. But it's not publicly available yet, so I can't really, like, blame anyone for using a different product. But I would encourage you when it does come out, and it's going to come out, I believe, this month, before the end of the month, uh, to check out TDNs as well. Um, because it's not just based on PFS grades, which, as we all know, some are, like, pretty legit, and some are just really weird, and they have some guys going, like, way late because they just have, like, a weird vendetta against them for some reason. They have some guys going extremely early. Uh, so, you know, whatever. Uh, he says, also, what are you guys' thoughts on Georgia tight end Darnell Washington? He's usually available for the Falcons on day two. Uh, yeah, I tweeted about this uh, yesterday, actually. Um, but I, I So you guys might remember my thoughts on it, but... Um, yeah, what do, you, what do you guys think about Darnell Washington, the quasi-offensive lineman slash athletic monster at tight end? Day two, day two pick. I mean, I, I figure people will hate a tight end coming to Atlanta at any point just because it's not a defensive I'm, lineman. <laughs> and, and, uh, it would help fill our Georgia quota for sure. Yeah, You know, grab him and then grab Stetson Bennett later on. So, you know, that, you know, that's two right there. Uh, but I mean, I, I wouldn't see how you can't rule it out with Arthur Smith. You know, you need two tight ends in his offense. Like he prefers two receiving tight ends. That's, that's what he does. Uh, this isn't the traditional, you know, old school offense where you're like, all right, you have Kyle Pitts and then, you know, the rest, everyone else blocks. And Kyle Pitts was a blocker himself last, last season, if you remember correctly. But, um, you know, uh, go dogs. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't foresee the Falcons taking a tight end uh, in the second round. Not not this early after after the Pitt selection a couple of years ago, where they spent a premium pick on a tight end. Yeah, yep, very fair. Alan, you got any Darnell Washington takes at this point in the uh, the off season? Give me a month. Sorry, okay. folks. So just yeah, it's okay. Exactly. So believe believe you. in Adnan and believe in Kevin. You know, and as for the Georgia quota, look, we've had this. Debate for like over a decade. People, you just gotta accept when uh, Georgia players do not come to land. But then two get drafted last year, so yes, they yes. Be satisfied. Exactly. They're beginning that- the quota. They're starting the quota, and not a moment too soon because this team could use some champions uh, on the roster. This team <laughs> doesn't national take champions. This team has never won any championships, so I don't think that's a coincidence. You know, let, let's get some of that championship pedigree down down here in, into Atlanta. All I'm going to say is Mike Mayock had that mentality, and it didn't end well for him. Yeah, poor guy. Cleveland Farrell, that was that was brutal. Now, to be well, fair, I, everyone could everyone would have told him not to do that. But I would never take Cleveland Farrell in the top five. That was pretty bold. Yeah, um, and like it was just one of man. We're not going to get sidetracked on that, but man, that was such like I remember that on the live show. I was just like, what the hell. Also, I do want to say, though, uh, I, I came across a Twitter account the other day where the guy keeps posting, like, old-school Mel Kuyper, like, uh, analysis stuff from, like, the oh. early 2000s. I don't know if you guys, like, saw it. It's, like, been on Twitter where it's, like... I've seen it, yeah. 
just random players like Roddy White, like Chad mm-hmm. Johnson, like all, all the guys where it's like Mel Kiper, like then like gives us an else. Bro, Mel Kiper was really good at this shit. Yes, he was. Like I, I he was Mel so Kiper, good he was like legit the best for quite a while. I don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like I, I think he might just be at the point where he's just like more of a celebrity and just doesn't necessarily want to grind it as much anymore and i think he's earned that but like mel kuyper deserves all the props in the world because he started the mock the whole mock drafting draft coverage industry like he is the father of it so all of these guys were spot on it's like yeah. whatever he said it's like it's like damn this dude like knew this in like 2001 yeah. and it's just like it was just very impressive oh yeah no like the man knows ball i don't i don't know what's happened recently uh, but I don't, I don't know if like ESPN's like, just start saying outlandish stuff, Mel. Um, or if he's just like, you know, I'm just gonna vibe. I'm going to scout off vibes. Um, and that's fine. He's earned it. Uh, cause he like laid the groundwork for this entire industry, the, the whole draft coverage industry. So, uh, can't say anything bad about Mel. You know, he's, he's earned his reprieve from, from my criticism, but uh, in the effort of playing like devil's advocate, I actually do think. Darnell Washington is like a legit possibility in the second round as much as some people may dislike it. And the reason for that is I think that the Falcons starting at 44, 45, depending on if you count the Dolphins pick as a pick or if it you just skip over it. Um, it the Falcons use 12 personnel and 13 personnel more than any other team in the NFL. For reference, both Parker Hesse and Michael Pruitt played more snaps than the Falcons third receiver to get an idea of how often the Falcons utilize multiple tight ends. Um, so the second tight end for the Falcons is basically going to play more than the wide receiver three and probably as much as the wide receiver two. So taking Darnell Washington in Atlanta's offense, even if he's the tight end two, he's going to play a ton, um, like 600 snaps. So, He's going to get a lot more playtime than any other tight end two in the NFL probably would. And like, we all know, like for those that that follow Darnell Washington, he's just, he's an amazing blocker. He is. I mean, he's probably the best blocking tight end in in college football. He's like 275 pounds. He's almost an offensive lineman, but he just moves just so well. I mean, he's a special talent there. And we know this team is obsessed with that type of player. They just are. Um, Look at Troy Anderson, you know, I mean. In fairness, Kevin, would it really be smart to go offense in the second round after this team takes Bijan with eight? I mean, just go all in. Go all in on offense, right? Oh, you man. Know? <laughs> <laughs> that would be so fun, though. God, they would be just be so like, funny. screw everyone else and what you think. We're just going to take Bijan and, Tar- and Darnell Washington, and then Desmond Ritter will be like a top 10 quarterback, and then it's just like we're, we're cooking with gas. Yeah. So. I don't know if you guys ever watched the Game of Zones. Uh like videos from uh bleacher report for the nba before but it was like uh it's they had a spoof where like mike d'antoni comes and meets james harden like with houston and he's like oh yeah but like what about the defense and he's like the what he's like you know my my philosophy is no defense and twice the offense so that (laughs) that would pretty much be the philosophy right there yeah exactly who needs defense when you score every drive right just keep just keep the opponent off the field with your run game you know, it didn't work so bad for the Falcons this year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, in a vacuum, I think Darnell Washington makes a ton of sense, like maybe more sense than for any other team 
Darnell Washington makes sense for the Falcons. So for that reason alone, I think there's a decent chance he ends up in Atlanta. But like in terms of like positional need, it's not really a need. But we know the Falcons love crazy athletes. We know they love high ceiling players, particularly early in the draft. Um, look, it's possible. And Darnell Washington, much more that traditional tight end, maybe that spurs the Falcons to just sort of move Kyle Pitts more full-time to wide receiver and then he becomes the wide receiver one and Drake London is the wide receiver one it's sort of like a one-two split those two guys are your outside guys and then Darnell Washington is your tight end and then you have Michael Prudis like they could the Falcons could easily do that um and, and to me it's like I wouldn't look at it so cut and dry as like they need to take another wide receiver it's like they need to get another significant receiving threat and maybe the best one is Darnell Washington. Like maybe legitimately you get to that 45-44 pick. And by the time, you know, you get there, the top receivers at that spot are sort of gone, right? And Darnell Washington isn't gone. So maybe he's the best guy there, the best then he fits and helps your run game and all this stuff, whatever. So uh, that's my devil's advocate, you know, rant on, on Darnell Washington. And we'll, we'll continue on with uh with the the free agency previews we got sidetracked with the draft quite a bit there it's so easy to go down the rabbit hole of draft takes but um the next position probably the one fans really care about the most right uh safety we mentioned it off the top of the show top safety pros uh top safety free agent jesse bates eating dining out with the the who's who of the falcons secondary and wine and dine yes wine and dine in just february i'm surprised Cordell patterson wasn't there you know yeah (laughs) <laughs> I guarantee you AJ Terrell and Casey Hayward were having words with him about uh, oh, yeah. about Yeah. Um so like you know, to be fair, like I do think uh there's a decent chance that happens. We've been talking about it all offseason. It's a big need that the Falcons don't really have like a, a premier safety talent right now. Um so it, it is something to consider, you know, and this the safety depth chart as a whole for the for Atlanta is you know, a little bit lacking, right? I mean, they do have Richie Grant, who has sort of, you know, been decent, you know, decent to good, depending on the day. They have Jalen Hawkins, who has also been decent to good, depending on the day. But, like, there hasn't really been a lot of impact play there, not as much as you would hope from from Grant, certainly. Um, and the depth, you know, is, is not really there either. Um, so I could definitely see this being a spot where they look to invest, um, but yeah, I mean, Adnan, I'll get, give you the first crack at this one. Obviously we've talked, we're, we're interested in Jesse Bates. You can give a, give your, your full throated endorsement of that, but there's a lot of other safeties out there. This is a pretty good free agent safety class. Yep. Uh, so just to be completely, uh, forthright with you guys and completely direct, this is about to be a, just the start of this is going to be a Jesse Bates monologue, um, where, yes, I think that this, this Jesse Bates is number one on my entire list of free agents for the Falcons, regardless of position, just because this would be the type of game-changing addition to the secondary that can change the fortunes of an entire defense. And this would, I think, you know, as much as I love Cordero Patterson, this would be the highest impact free agent signing for the Falcons since Alex Mack in 2016, I think without a doubt. Um, Now, the reason... The thing about Jesse Bates is he's 26 years old uh, this season. This will be his age 26 year, and whatever contract you give him, 
that will run through the entirety of his prime. Uh, players like this uh, at this level, Jesse Bates is uh, a former second team All Pro in 2020. He was uh, the highest graded safety by uh, PFF. And since then, he hasn't been as good as 2020, but he's still been very, very good. And he's been a very key contributor for a very good Bengals defense the last couple of years. Players like this normally aren't allowed to hit the market, not at this age. And you see the top safeties that are available outside of Bates, and those are Jordan Poyer and C.J. Gardner-Johnson uh, in Buffalo and in Philadelphia. Neither of those guys will be allowed to hit the, uh, the market. I think it's already been reported that Gardner-Johnson, if he does not agree to an extension, he'll be franchise-tagged by the yep. Eagles. And Poyer, the Bills will need to move some money around, but Poyer is so important to that Bills defense. And you can see it by based off the win-loss record for them with Poyer and without Poyer the last couple seasons. Like the only player who's been more important has been Josh Allen to that team. I do not think that they're letting Poyer go. But the reason why Bates, I think, will be like he could still get tagged by the Bengals, but Bates was franchise tagged by the Bengals last offseason. And he was one of the eight players in the NFL who were franchise tagged. And Last offseason, he made $12.9 million. Uh, let me do some math for you guys. Uh, so this year, the franchise tag number for safeties will be $14.46 million. That won't be the franchise tag number for Jesse Bates. If they tag Bates again, his number will be $15.4 million, 15.49, so $15.5 million. And the reason for that is because he was one of the uh, five highest um uh, highest salaried safeties, and because he was tagged last offseason, he gets a 20% raise this offseason instead of just giving him the regular salary cap number. Uh, so I don't think that he's in their plans to uh, to be given an extension, and the reason for that is because you have Joe Burrow, who could very likely make $200 million guaranteed on his next contract, and you have Jamar Chase, who will make at least $80 million guaranteed on his next contract. So uh, I don't think that they're looking to invest in Bates long-term. So this will be at most a one-year uh, contract, a one-year investment. And if they decide to tag him again after next offseason, uh, his money will be, he'll make over $22 million in cap hit because the third time getting tagged, it's a 44% raise. So you'll essentially have to live with a, a $15.9 million cap hit for a safety this year and just this year because they're not giving him the extension. And they already drafted a, a first-round safety, Daxton Hill, last offseason. So he's, for all these reasons, I think Jesse Bates will be allowed to hit the, the open market at age 26. I think I think it's a no-brainer. Uh, I, I would love the Falcons to put on uh, a full court press for him, uh, you know, get, get guys recruiting. Uh, he already, I think it's already started actually, but beyond Bates, you have uh, guys like Von Bell who also just now uh, came from the Cincinnati Bengals. His contract expired with the Bengals. He's someone that Nielsen has a history with in Cincinnati or excuse me, in new Orleans. And he's someone that Fontenot, help draft in New Orleans. I think Fontenot was there when Bell was drafted by the Saints. So that would make sense. Uh, Adrian Amos from Green Bay as well. 
But, you know, Jesse Bates is at the top of my list, and I'll actually feel very, very sad if the Falcons don't, don't end up uh, with this signing. So that's my monologue. Yeah, it definitely sound. It seems like sort of like all of the the breeze is blowing that way. So I'm interested to see if it actually ends up happening. Um, but there definitely seems to be a lot of positive momentum for that signing to happen. Um, and I, I, it really hasn't. The needle hasn't moved for me a ton, even with the defensive, you know, scheme change. Because Jesse Bates is really a safety that you can do whatever you want with. I mean, he's a great single high safety, but like he can definitely play in the box. Like he has no issues whatsoever with that. So um, definitely somebody I like. But yeah, Alan, do you want to wax poetic about Jesse Bates too? You got any other guys you like? Yeah, I'm firmly with that. Now when it comes to Jesse Bates, I've been thrilled with watching him play for like the last three years even that 2020 season when the Bengals were unwatchable once Burrow went down I remember that Monday night game against Pittsburgh he was just flying all across the field and he just has that range and just those instincts that you want to see from a, a deep line safety and I think you know as well as Richie Grant played at times in coverage I thought he was better either in the box or like in the intermediate areas you know, we saw when it came to deep throws particularly against Cincinnati and New Orleans he was responsible for a few uh, big plays downfield and just he didn't seem to have the comfortability to cover downfield. So I think the Falcons should prioritize signing someone that can play in a single high while allowing uh, Grant to play more inside the box. Now, Grant, look, a lot of teams play too high now, so Grant's going to have to play you know, downfield. You know, he's just going to have to improve. But I do think the Falcons definitely need to prioritize signing a true cover safety. So that's where Bates comes in and, Look, I know this times where maybe he struggled tackling wise, but I think you live with that just knowing what he brings coverage wise. Like, if you remember that AFC Championship game against the Chiefs from the previous season where they won, he had that pass breakup that caused the interception that essentially got the Bengals to the Super Bowl. And it was just one of those phenomenal safety plays that you see the real high end safeties make, like, you know, like Prime Road Thomas, for example. So, yeah, I'm all in on just Bates. I think they have to make that happen as best they can. And, you know, for any naysayers saying, oh, do you really want them to spend money on a safety? It's like, look, safety yeah. and yeah. safety I know is an underappreciated position, but it brings so much value, kind of like three-down linebackers. Like, if you see a premier three-down linebacker and you really need it, or if you see a premier safety and you really need it, go for it. Like, don't – I don't like when people just say, do you really want to spend money on this type of position? Look, if you really need it, which the Falcons clearly do, and a talent like this is available, go for it. So – because I've been seeing some of those tweets. I'm just like, man, you have to, you got to watch him play. Nobody wants anyone, man. Like <laughs> everyone's too expensive. Like if you look at Twitter, there's going to be a, like a group of people. It's like, oh no, this guy's like too much. This guy's too much. I don't want him. I don't, who do you want then? Like this fan base simultaneously wants everyone and doesn't want everyone and doesn't want anyone. But just to piggyback off of that point, this team don't look at it as, oh, are we really going to like spend this much for a safety? We're spending this much for a playmaker. Like this team yes. needs playmakers yes. everywhere, like on all three levels of the defense. Um, I think he would pretty much complete the secondary. I, I still have high hopes for Richie Grant. I think he'll make Richie Grant's life easier. I think he'll make A.J. Terrell's life easier. Grant last year was pretty much his de, his de facto rookie season. And, you know, we've seen the type of playmaker he's been at UCF and well, we know that the potential is there. Jalen Hawkins, no offense to him, but I don't think Jalen Hawkins is a starting safety on a playoff caliber team. 
Like, I, I think Hawkins is really good depth. I'm really, really happy to have uh, Hawkins on this team. Uh, and, you know, I think that was a great day three selection that the Falcons made. But I wouldn't be super comfortable going into week one with Hawkins lined up in a starting spot. Like, this team, when's the last time this team really had that type of a playmaker at the safety position? Like, maybe 2012 Thomas Deku when he was getting all those interceptions is my guess. I don't want to say the name, but you are right. Yeah, I know people in the chat are just going to shake their head at the mention oh of Thomas Deku. But there was a time of Thomas Deku was just a playmaker. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. Deku, after that, he kind of fell off and he was very small. But 2012 Deku was... He, he was a pro bowler for a reason. Yeah. Like, he was hitting all the picks. He was oh, yeah. cro- crotch chopping everybody, man. <laughs> Those were the good old days with Thomas Deku. And then the next year, we don't talk about that. We just gloss over that. But, yeah, yeah. I mean. Let's not talk about his tackling either. Yeah, no, we don't talk about that. But if you're good enough in coverage, you can live with some missed tackles. If you're, yeah. But, you know, if you suck at both, then we have a, a big problem. And that's what happened, unfortunately, the next year. Um, but And yeah. by the way, Nico in the chat, I would absolutely not pay Daniel Jones $45 million. Like, that is... <laughs> Anyone who does that, that's going to be hilarious. Like, yeah, Daniel Jones, I do not think is a, a good quarterback. No. Personally, I think, I think he's he's just he's just okay, dog. It's like, what, how much better? Like, Daniel Jones was like a tick better than Marcus Mariota, you know, <laughs> average on his best. Day. Average on his best day. No, Daniel I, Jones I, is better than Marcus Mariota, but you know. Yeah, I'm the, the Giants are going to talk themselves into giving him a massive contract, and that's going to be very funny, especially yeah. if it cost them Saquon because Saquon was the reason for their success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and somebody said, "Oh, why don't the Falcons just pay Saquon instead of drafting Bijan?" So, so you want to pay a running back instead of <sighs> drafting one? Gotcha. Like that—that that makes it better somehow. Giving giant money to an injury-prone running back, who I love, by the way. Like Saquon's awesome, but like. Like that's not better. <laughs> like if if you're not if you're against drafting Bijan at eight, you should be against paying Saquon twelve million dollars or whatever it is he's gonna get. Like you can't be for one and not for the other. Like that doesn't make any sense. So <laughs> I just appreciate Tyler Algier. Like oh, uh, folks, like there were like five biggest highlights of, of the Falcons season last year. Tyler yes. Algier was definitely one of them. And also, as much as um. As much as I love Saquon, uh, and as much as I think that Saquon, when healthy, is a top three running back in the NFL, um, I I don't think it's a best practice to pay any running back. Honestly, it's really not. Like yeah. uh, you know, maybe there's except there's like tiny exceptions. Derrick Henry in Tennessee, like Derrick Henry carries that offense single handedly, more or less. Like sure, like pay pay him because he's that that important, but. You saw that graphic. It always surfaces of the leading rusher of the Super Bowl champion and how much money he made that that season. And it's always like a million dollars, like on average. Like running backs have their value, their most value in their rookie contracts. And then normally teams, for the most part, normally regret paying running backs. Like should the Falcons regretted paying Devontae Freeman. Like what we saw firsthand. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. It's it's sad, but uh, it definitely happens. Um, but on the safety topic, you guys covered several of the good, of the the best names. You know, I think Jesse Bates, obviously the top target, obviously the one that I personally would would pursue with the most, you know, 
fervor, I guess. It's a good word for it. But Von Bell, really, we shouldn't necessarily... Even, like, both Von Bell and Jesse Bates, because Von Bell has the Fontenot and the Nielsen connection. Um, that one makes the most sense, like, and, from uh, yeah. connection standpoint. Yeah, so, like, I wouldn't rule that out either. Um, and we know that the Saints liked to play a safety as their slot defender. So, like, maybe Richie Grant becomes that player in this defense. Um, you know, with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the Saints love to play Chauncey Gardner-Johnson as their slot defender. So, can Richie Grant do it? You know, I don't know. Can Can Bates or Von Bell do it? I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe that's something else to consider. But I wouldn't rule out Von Bell at all. Uh, Adrian Amos is another one with the Jerry Gray connection. Um, he had a bit of a down year this year, but he's just going to be 30. And like Amos has been a really good safety for like the previous three years before this year. Amos was awesome. Um, so I would not rule out Amos at all. If, if they strike out on Jesse Bates, Amos could be another great option. Um, Taylor Rapp of the Rams is going to be another top name. Um, Julian Love of the Giants had a great year. He's a free agent. Um, and you go on down the list, and, and there's plenty of guys that could be decent depth as well, right? Like Nasir Adderley of the Chargers, I think, is a good like buy-low potential uh, safety who didn't really live up to his draft stock, but certainly interesting. LaMarcus Joyner, great blitzer. Um, you know, Terrell Edmonds. Jimmy Ward. Like, yeah, Jimmy Ward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, there's definitely a, a lot of good safeties out there. Um, and I think you, you get... One of these guys in here um, to bolster the unit and then maybe draft someone on, on day three also. And, and I think you're looking at a much better overall safety room when, when the dust clears. Because um, I, don't, I don't think they're that far off. I think it's just like Jalen Hawkins and Richie Grant, neither one is really a guy you want playing single high. And I think when those guys were put into that role, they kind of got exposed because they just don't have the range for it. And Jesse Bates is the guy. Uh, in that role. And I would say that's his best role. So if we're not doing the, the Dean P's, we need all of our safeties to do everything. We can have some more specialized players like what the saints did, you know, with Marcus Williams, he was their deep guy. And then they would have another safety be more of their box guy, you know, let Jesse Bates be your single high and let Richie Grant roam the box where I think he plays a lot better. And and I think you're going to be a lot happier with that safety room. And, and Jesse Bates will give you that high end coverage on the back that they were really missing. Like it really made it so that they really couldn't depend on having that deep help on a lot of plays. Um, and that I think really, you know, sort of left those young corners out to dry sometime, uh, you know, they hung them out to dry because they, that deep safety help really wasn't always there consistently <laughs> when they needed it. So getting a guy like Jesse Bates to be an eraser in your secondary, that that's going to help a lot. Um, and I think it will help the overall defense way more than people realize it. Look, safeties are starting to get paid. Like it's starting to happen much more frequently. Um, and it's under, it's underrated how important the safety is to the defense. I think teams are finally starting to come around on, on how important the position is and they're starting to pay them more. And I, I think it's, deserved so look at the bills how they built their success like micah hyde jordan poyer those are i think that was the best safety 10 in the past two three seasons i know micah hyde got injured this year but the bills their foundation to me was built on that safety core so let's let's not forget about the position and you're bringing up the saints defense before and how they utilize marcus williams you 
compared to Jesse Bates, but I mean, see like Richie Grant, Malcolm Jenkins. I think there's some similarities yeah, there. Yeah. So I, think I so. want because I want to see Richie Grant blitz more. That was one yes. thing I thought was disappointing last year. So I'm hoping Nielsen could uh, unlock that because I think Richie Grant going downhill, like you know, he has no problem taking on blockers. He's a pretty surefire tackler, and look, he's a tone setter. So let's utilize him like that rather than continuously have him go 20, 25 yards downfield. Yeah, or like play him in cover two as a split safety, but like it just. Right. It just neither him or Jalen Hawkins are are your cover one deep guy, and and mm-hmm. I think they they had to do that sometimes because of what DMP's defense asks, and they like to rotate, and that that has its own advantages. But it they weren't the best options for that defense, and I think they were hoping Grant would be able to unlock a little bit more range back mm-hmm. there. But um, I think he's much more instinctual closer to the line of scrimmage, and I think you just emphasize that by getting another guy in there that can look take those responsibilities off his plate by being a great <laughs> deep coverage safety so can i mention one more name that yeah, i yeah, think yeah. you mentioned that i'm not sure if he's more because he was moved around quite a bit on the defense and you know some of this could be because dallas's defense took the but donovan wilson popped a lot when i watched the dallas defense this year and he's a free agent i don't know what his value is but i think donovan wilson's still in the monitor like he uh, long arms and just he's not afraid to hit I don't know if he's more of a box safety than uh, deep line safety, but if they want to take a chance on someone, it's, it seemed like every time the Cowboys were on, like, and they obviously won a lot this year, Diamond Wilson would flash. So you just want to okay. keep in mind. I, I like that you mentioned Julian Love too. I know he had an ugly show against the Eagles where he literally missed <laughs> five tackles in like yeah. three quarters. But Julian Love was w- one of the bigger reasons why the Giants defense uh, yeah. surpassed expectations. So I think that was a good call there. And I do want to emphasize that Jimmy Ward, even though he's more of a slot corner, he moved to safety on the request of D'Amico Ryans, and he flourished there. So, so I'm all on Bates, but if things go wrong, I think the Falcons still should absolutely uh, sign a veteran, and I think this is the this is the time to do it. And you know, it would hurt to see them miss on Bates, but you know, I think they're still in good hands uh, yeah. with one of these players. Yeah, and there's yeah. some there's good veterans out there. Lamarcus Joyner and Jets. I think Terrell Edmonds was mentioned with Pittsburgh. Uh, mm-hmm. Devin McCoy, like these guys, yeah, it, it, it's a it's a strong. I think the safety class is a bit stronger than the free agency class overall, at least at least yeah. up top. Um, but yeah, I think if you really want the high impact impact, it's it's Bates because again, like Gardner Johnson would be spectacular. Saints connections there, six picks in twelve games last year, like he was. He went to another level, and I think the Saints should consider not trading with the Eagles anymore because they got they got washed in both of those trades last offseason. For as good as Chris Olave is, he's not worth what was it two top ten picks or this year it's a top ten pick, but you know. Uh, and then and then Gardner Johnson they got for what what was it a day three pick? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And you know, Gordon Johnson would just absolutely troll the Saints. Those the hate week would be taken to another level with him yes. on the roster. Oh yeah, he was trolling. I would have loved that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, wait, we'll welcome anything. Like, oh if, yeah, if you're yeah. the player, all is forgiven. So, oh yeah, no. If he if he signed with Atlanta, if he put the Falcons jersey on, we're over it. We're done. Like that oh, that those days are in the past. You know. So yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, but Gardner Johnson is going to be an eagle. Like the yeah. Eagles yeah, yeah. are not letting him go. They should not let him go. Um, 
Poyer, the Bills are definitely not letting go. Um, so I think it's Bates. Uh, and then there's a gap, and then it's Bell and the rest. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea of signing both Bell and, and and Bates too. That would be that would be a very very frisky move by by the Pelicans to make. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, good discussion there. Lots of names that we covered, uh, and of course, we're just what two, I guess, three weeks away from free agency officially starting. So. Uh, we're, we're getting there. Uh, not, you're not going to have to wait too much longer to see where the top guys go, at least. And the Falcons, for the first time, actually have money, so it'll be much it'll more be exciting so, than usual. Yes, so it'll be so fun. Like this off, I can't wait for this off season. It'll be, it'll be the most fun off season since 2016. And yeah. even going into 2016, we didn't expect it to be that fun. Like mm-hmm. that Alex Max signing was not ex- like I was. I did not see that coming at all. Yeah, and now the Falcons have the second most cap space, and you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a great spring. You know, I can't wait, and you know, you even have the we didn't even mention Lamar Jackson tonight, but the connections <laughs> well, not are there. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. we're not talking uh, Lamar Jackson tonight, guys. We're gonna we have to take a break from that every so often, but I'm sure we will we talk do, about it again. So. We will we will promise that if if that does happen, um, we will have an emergency. Yes, of course. Of course. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) No, we we have an emergency show for any significant free agent signing, certainly. Uh anything over like I mean, it'll be up to our discretion, but any any like significant one, we'll probably just do it because why not? Is the level Alan Lazard? I guess probably I mean it depends on how like, you know, like because it's like if we do yeah, I don't know. We'll have to workshop that and figure that out. Apparently, but... Alan Lazard wants 14 mil a year. So, you oh, know. Well, in that case, oh, I would you know, have an emergency <laughs> show to lambast the Falcons for that. So, um, But, yeah. Is Aaron Rodgers uh... coming to deal? Uh, I, I can, the darkness. You won't be a thousand-yard receiver with Aaron Rodgers. Yep. You think doesn't you're turning him into one? Um, yeah. You know. But... Hell of a blocker, though. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why I'm thinking he could come, but oh, 14 yeah. million. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. He's not getting, there's no way he's getting that. Like, I think that's his agent, like, slipping that out there. Oh, you can, you can have Lazard for $14 million. You know, the, the phone is dry. Um, <laughs> They're just waiting. Like, they will call. People will, people will wait for something I, good. So, I, yeah. I wouldn't count on Jim Mercy. And, yeah, well, there, there you go. There. Yeah, there you go. It should. You know, his agent is uh is checking with his phone company to make sure that he paid his bill on time. Nobody's calling. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, you know, I can only imagine sh- uh, a chapter bomb at one a.m. and then we we get on here at one a.m. to uh to four hundred people who just wanna wanna listen to Lamar Jackson takes at that point because. Yeah. I'm pretty sure at all hours of the day, I'm not saying that we will be on at all hours of the day, but how many people do you think would be watching if it was 2 a.m. and we were doing a show? The um, European audience better be up. Oh, they, they will be there. Is. Yeah. The <laughs> if they announce there. it at 2 a.m., that's just terrible press also. Like, they, they're, they're not going to do that. They will announce that at, like, 4 p.m., you know, yeah. like like prime time, like get, getting into the evening on, like, a Wednesday or something. So- I'm just so used to those NBA, like, you know, middle of the night drops. Like, you know, the Kevin Durant news dropped at 4 a.m. Eastern time. And I'm over here like, what are we doing, guys? Yeah. What are we doing, guys? What are we doing? But, um, yeah, appreciate 
all the takes. Uh, we did have one more donation from Corey. What's up, Corey? Thank you so much for the $5. He says, if we win the Super Bowl while you guys are doing the show, will there be a post game immediately following the game? Now, Corey, my hope is that I will be actually covering the Super Bowl in person if that was the case. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful by the time that happens, which, you know, hopefully will be next year that I will, you know, be able to get credentials for that game. Uh, so in that case, it would probably be up to the, like, you know, the rules of the, the stadium, but maybe we could have somebody on deck to at least do something. But I mean, if we're, if we're watching it at home, then yeah, I'll probably come on just absolutely hammered. Like, you know, (laughs) just, just like yelling. And then we'll probably have like a serious, you know, show the next day. But, um, I'm sure we would have some kind of, you know, programming associated with the Super Bowl. Uh, people, so. You got to get those interviews and people got to wait. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if I'm at the game, I'm going on the field, you know, like, you just, <laughs> yeah. I'm going, I'm, I'm going to be down there, you know, somewhere if I'm actually covering it. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, if we're just watching from home, then we'll, we'll probably have some kind of show. Now, if the game sucks, then I, I'm not guaranteeing anything, you know, except uh, you'll just see like a dark room, you know, just empty with depression or something like that it'd just be open mic or whatever it'll be like that clint eastwood bit where he just had the empty chair on stage that'll just be oh, man. that'll be us yeah <laughs> that's a deep cut right there that's a deep cut but it's <laughs> <laughs> just empty chair uh but yeah guys we really appreciate everyone coming in tuning in and uh enjoying the free agency takes uh before we get out of here i want to thank our guest, Alan Sturk, at Alan Sturk for coming on. Alan, anything that you're working on you'd like to let the people know about? Uh, so right now, I just posted an article about Ryan Nielsen and just kind of getting to doing as best I can by his philosophy. I try to focus more towards defensive line because that's his specialty. So I talked about you know what he built in New Orleans and how it might uh, connect with the Falcons and what they're doing. I will have a piece up about why I think signing a number two receiver should be a, a big priority. That'll be up either Friday or next Monday. And then we got the round table. I'm bringing you on, Kev. We're going to do yeah, it. That's right, so yeah. uh, we'll do the free agency round table. So I got that going. And then my yearly tradition, free agency wish list will be up a week before free agency. So yeah, full force ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff there, guys. Definitely check out that most recent piece. It's up on the site right now. Uh, terrific work by Alan as always. And we will, I'm sure we'll have Alan on throughout the off season, continue breaking down all this, just limitless off-season content, especially this year of all years where there's actually money to spend. So, hallelujah. Uh, also with us tonight, the co-host Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Uh, Adnan, speaking of, this this question had a, had a part for you. He says, cough once if you want QS to be the next head coach. So, you know, I don't I don't know what, what that means. <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So, um you know, I can't. I can't interpret that. Uh, that's up. That's up for the people to decide. But Adnan, he is at say which way. Adnan, anything you're working on, you'd like to plug? <laughs> you know, got a happy cough uh, out of nowhere there. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know what happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, so I have my franchise tag primer up. Uh, I've been uh, every year at around the time, at around the start of the franchise tag window. I go. To I uh, go back and update uh, my franchise tag primer to reflect uh, the previous year's uh, happenings with the franchise tag, um, this year's franchise tag numbers, and outside of that, the article is just 
a, a wealth of information, evergreen information about everything you could possibly want to know about regarding the franchise tag. I wrote it in 2018, and every year I've been updating it since to reflect uh, that specific off season. Uh, so yeah, uh, check that out. Yeah, check I can't that believe stuff. you guys want Quentin Spain as the new coach of the Atlanta Hawks. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Quentin Spain, Terrible the show. god. Yeah, <laughs> the god. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, how how many people with the initials QS are there? I I only a nerd like me would know. I remember Quentin Spain because he I, he infamously was trash talking the Titans after the Bengals allowed nine sacks. So like Quentin Spain would always be remembered for all the wrong reasons in my mind for managing to trash talk the opposing team after allowing nine sacks. Yeah, that yeah, was well, bold. Well, I do love head coaches whose name whose name is Quinn uh, in Atlanta. You know, I think, That's true. You were a big fan. As possible. Yeah. Big fan of Quinn. Yeah, so. <laughs> but guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic. Kevin, the NFL Combine position previews have just started. Today was Edge. If you haven't seen that yet, go check it out. Uh, Thursday will be into your defensive line, and we'll keep going in that order until we get through all of them with the Combine kicking off next week. Uh, So lots of draft content to look forward to there. Uh, We'll be getting into the official scouting reports after that as well. So lots to look forward to. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in and hanging out with us tonight. Uh, If you're listening to the show on the podcast audio, please leave us that five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Again, we really appreciate all that. If you're interested in supporting the show, you can go to patreon.com slash Live. Like I said, patrons, next Q&A session is going to be Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern. We'll be posting about that soon as well. Uh, if you're interested in taking part, just sign up on the Patreon. Uh, love to have you, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, those sessions you also get some exclusive perks like early ad free access to all the podcast episodes and more so definitely check that out guys but until next time guys we appreciate you we'll see you next wednesday at 8 p.m once again for the next edition of the falcoholic live until then have a great night folks we'll see you next time peace